0: How about let's have a, a time of prayer as we shift to the message this morning and just ask the Lord to, to bless it, and to feed us his word. Uh, we need the words of life. Amen. So let's open up our hearts to receive from here. Um, Corey, a lot speech. Do you mind just praying, asking the Holy Spirit to come and activate this in our minds and hearts? Definitely. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this day. And Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit into this place. And uh, we ask that you bless and anoint the word. And uh, the same power that you spoke the earth into creation, God, we ask that same power to be spoken to us this morning. And just as a corporate body here, we uh, open ourselves up for your word and the ministry of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm sure no one walked in here today remembering this, but 114 years ago today, see, I told you none of you would remember it, 114 years ago today, on December The 17th, 1903, after numerous failed attempts, Orville and Wilbur Wright successfully made the first flight. They got their flying machine off the ground. It was the very first controlled, sustained flight of a powered aircraft. And uh, how many of you know where that took place? Yeah, right down the road, right? Just south of Kitty Hawk down in Outer Banks area, North Carolina, is where that took place. So uh, today is the anniversary of that. And I was thinking about that and I uh, thought I would just fill in the blanks for the rest of the story that you may not know. What you may not know is immediately after they successfully uh, flew this uh, this airplane, they sent a telegraph to their sister, Catherine. All right? So they head off, they send a telegraph message back home to Catherine and this was the, these were the words of the message we have successful we have actually flown 120 feet we actually have flown 120 feet and then they added uh, and we will be home for christmas <laughs> we flew 120 feet and we'll be home for christmas so Catherine gets the gets the telegraph right she runs to the local editor of the newspaper Uh, to give him the report. You know, this is pre-tweet days, all right? Everybody understand, all right? So no tweeting allowed. All right, so she runs to the local newspaper editor. She shows him the telegraph. He glanced at it, and his response to her was, oh, how nice. The boys are going to be home for Christmas. (laughs) The point of the story is what? He missed the main message, right? Right? The big issue, the big idea was left. And he focused on an important part, but yet not the significant part, which is what? Man had now flown. I think that many times we do the same thing. We oftentimes get caught up in the commercialism, the busyness, the hectic activities of a Christmas season, and sometimes we forget what the real main message is. Really is, which we all understand, right, in this room, that the message of Christmas is what? That God came to earth to redeem us. He came to earth to bring salvation to us. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen? Now, here's what I want to do today. Uh, I want to focus a little bit on, I've been doing some reviewing and rereading on the Christmas story and the narrative that we uh, many times speak and reference during this season of the year. By the way, Uh, Our outreach last night was great. We had great music and a great live nativity, and we had uh, Oscar-deserving performances by all that were involved, and a wonderful time. We counted about 200 people uh, through the three performances that came and joined us on a cold Saturday night. So they they did a good job. But during that, uh, the narration was taken directly from uh, Matthew's Gospel and Luke's gospel. I remember as a child when we grew up, my parents made a habit out of every Christmas. We had to take a moment where we read from Luke's gospel and we read part of the Christmas narrative just as a way to to set a devotion for our Christmas time. I think that's a pretty good practice. I was rereading that in the last couple of weeks and I stopped and realized something. I know I've seen it before, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And that was how often throughout this Christmas story I... Realized there was praise mentioned in the scripture over and over and over again. It was just staggering how much praise is mentioned surrounding the birth of our Savior Jesus. So I've entitled today's message Christmas Praise. All right, Christmas Praise. And I'm going somewhere with it, so stick with me, all right? So let me illustrate to you all the different occasions. I've just listed them on the screen there for you so you can see. Now we'll start with Mary, of course. You remember that when Mary was hanging out with Elizabeth and uh, she had already received her message from the angel that that she was going to conceive and bear a son. And uh, the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 1, Mary responded saying this, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. This has become known as Mary's song. that that we find here in Luke chapter 1. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. What was her response to the news of knowing that she was going to carry the Messiah? was what? Praise, wasn't it? Immediately, it resulted in praise. Also, we know that uh, in Luke chapter 1, And towards the end of Luke chapter 1, we find uh, John, the baptizer's father, Zechariah, uh, mentioned here in the scripture. And let me just read to you what it says. It says, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. This is an amazing account. Go back and read it. Filled with the Holy Spirit, began to prophesy. And what was his prophecy? Verse 68. Praise the Lord. The God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, he was in the midst of some pretty significant milestones going on, right? The arrival of uh, his own uh, son, John the Baptist, being the forerunner for the Messiah, and and knowledge that that there was a lot of things happening that were going to change the course of history. How was his response when he prophesied being filled by the Holy Spirit? How did it come out? As what? Praise Praise be to our God. We also know that the angels joined in with that, right? We know that uh, the scripture tells us in in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. What were they doing? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. We also know that scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds. We know that they heard the angel's message. We know that they went to Bethlehem. We know that they saw Jesus. And then it says, and they went back to their flocks doing what? When they returned to their flocks, they went back what? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just like the angel had promised them. You may remember Simeon, an elderly, devout Jewish man who had waited and waited and waited, spent a lot of time in the temple, just happened to be in the temple. Just happened to be in the temple the day that Jesus was brought there for circumcision. So here, Joseph and Mary bring in Jesus. Here happens to be Simeon, and he was there, and immediately he knew something was going on because God had made him a promise. What was the promise? God had told Simeon, you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel. You're going to see it with your own eyes. That's a pretty astounding promise, isn't it? And Simeon had been holding on to that his whole life. I'm, going to, I'm not ready to die. I haven't seen the Messiah yet. I'm not, it's not time for me to die. I'm going to see the Messiah. And once he had seen the Messiah, then he would know it was his time. And the scripture reads like this. Simeon was there in the temple, and he took the child, couldn't help himself, He just went over and took the child in his own arms, and he what? Praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. He basically said, I've seen your salvation, God. I'm ready to go home. I'm done. It's been fulfilled. How did he respond when he saw the promise of God? Praise. And then let's don't forget Anna. Precious Anna, 84-year-old woman of God. Who actually was living in the temple they made a residence for her she spent 24 7 in the temple some of you complain about one sunday and she was spending 24 7 (laughs) in the temple the scripture tells us luke chapter 2 verse 38 she came along look at this she came along just as simeon was talking to mary and joseph have you ever noticed how carefully orchestrated events are by god she just happened to walk along the temple at the same time that Simeon was having his encounter with Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Came along as he was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began to what? Praise God. She began to praise God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna was a praiser. She couldn't help herself. She was in touch with God. She knew about the presence of God. She spent all of her life in the temple worshiping, praising God. And she knew when she saw what was happening with this baby Jesus, she erupted in praise. So praise was surrounding all of the events around the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Now, Let's remember that the Bible teaches us clearly what in Isaiah 43 verse 21 makes it clear what we are created for praise Look what the scripture says the people I form for myself The Lord says the people that I form for myself that they might proclaim my praise What does that tell us? It tells us that we are made form created for praise That's a part of God's intention and His plan and His design and the way that He created us. We're created for praise. Now, a lot of people maybe just need to be reminded what praise is. I know most of you understand. We know that there is uh, praise is a part of our worship experience, our vertical experience with God, but it is also distinctive. Let me just make several statements about praise as well as to define it. Praise is always visible, vocal, active, assertive, and demonstrative. Have you ever thought about that? Praise is this visible and vocal expression of approval towards God. It literally suggests that we are applauding God as his people. That's what praise is. Praise is a divinely ordained, unconditional expression. Of adoration from God's people to him. That's what praise is. Now, listen, I'm convinced, although we may be here, I was I was thinking yesterday, I don't remember where I was, but I was in some store or someplace, and I was listening to the carols that were on the uh, that were playing throughout the the store. And I thought, I wonder, and it's obvious that no one is stopping to pay attention to this, but it was background music, right? And in the background music, it was very clearly, it was just all about praising God for sending his, our Savior. And I'm thinking, here all this is going on in the room, but no one's paying attention to it. And yet many people probably want to relegate this, uh, this adoration and this expression of praise thinking, oh, well, this is just about Christmas. But I think we all understand that what praise is not just for Christmas. I said praise is not just for Christmas. Praise is for every day. And he deserves your praise. He deserves Your praise. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you today. uh, I I know I entitled the message Christmas praise, but I did that on purpose because really what I want to suggest to you is even though praise is maybe highlighted during the Christmas season clearly is reinforced as we read the narrative surrounding the birth of Jesus. What I think God wants to say to us is it's not just for Christmas Day. It ought to be a daily experience. Amen. So I want to share with you very quickly, simply, but yet importantly. Four truths about what kind of praise? Daily praise. All right? So four truths about daily praise. You ready for this? Number one. Number one, praise should be integral to our daily Christian living. Praise shouldn't be for special occasions. Praise shouldn't be just for Sunday celebration service. Clearly, praise shouldn't be just reserved for Christmas or special events Praise should be an integral, normative part of our Christian life and experience. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 107 and verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. So the psalmist is saying, oh, everyone ought to be involved and engaged in praising God. Reemphasis in Psalm 150 and verse 6. It says what? Let everything that breathes do what? Praise the Lord. Whether you know it or not, the trees and the flowers and every living thing that God has created is offering praise to God. But we are his most focused creation. Amen. And wouldn't it make sense that God has created, if he's created us for praise, that we ought to read a scripture like this. that says, let everything that breathes, let everything that has life, let it praise the Lord. It's God's plan that praise be integral to your life. Not complaining not murmuring, not negative talk. God wants praise to be central to our daily life. How many of you think our daily experiences would be better off if we had more praise and less negative stuff? Amen. We need to fill our hearts with praise to God. So praise needs to be integral to our daily walk. Number 2. Number 2. Praise has to be expressed Praise has to be expressed. The Bible is very clear of different ways to express praise. Worship is an attitude of the heart that is expressed through other means. Praise in and of itself, I believe, must include some forms of expression. Now, how has God created us? He's created us to be a spirit that has a soul. soul is our mind, emotion, and wills, and we live in a body. You are a spirit being You have a soul and you live in a body. And part of your soul is emotions, right? And your intellect. If we're to be creatures of praise, if he created us intentionally to be praisers, don't you think that probably our mind, our emotions, and our will, as well as our physical bodies, should probably be engaged in that activity? Wouldn't that make sense? I get a kick out of the people who say... You know, I'm not sure I feel comfortable in your church because y'all, y'all sometimes get a little emotional. I, y'all, I noticed when I walked in today, y'all were getting a little bit emotional here to on me today. And, uh, and, 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 and yet we shouldn't be surprised at the expression of emotion because what? Well, God's created us with emotion. I understand that some of us here in the room are more introverted than others. Some of us are more extroverted. Some of us will tend to be a little bit more expressive in our praise. But all of us need to be engaged in expressing praise to God. He deserves it, and it is the way that the Bible teaches us to praise him. A couple of quick examples. Psalms chapter 100, verse 2, speaks about singing. It actually starts all talking about shouting. Here's, let me read it to you. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, except for the Commonwealth of Virginia. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 that's right. All the earth. All right, Let let me start over. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Gladness come before him with joyful singing. Do you see here? Singing. Not just singing, not drab singing, not dearth singing, but joyful singing. Can you tell the difference between? Yeah. So joyful singing and shouting are supposed to be simply a way that we express praise to God. Now listen, you shout at other things. You shout sometimes the wrong way. But you shout. You don't mind using emotion and mind and body on certain things. Why reserve it in those things and not give it to God? Here it tells us we ought to sing. You know, some of you, you know you know every lyric of a top forty song. You know every lyric. But do you know the do you know could you repeat Psalm one fifty? Could you repeat verses of scripture that would prompt us to praise God? We need to learn to praise God with singing, which means open up your mouth and make a melody to the Lord. All right? We sing what? We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what our singing is all about. Now, because... This mentioned shout, I just want to give you a moment to obey the Word of God, all right? I know some of you are so religious, you may not feel comfortable with this, but I'm going to give you permission right now to be non-religious, all right? I'm going to give you a moment to give a shout to God, all right? So what I want you to do is on the count of three, I want you to say either praise the Lord or hallelujah. You can have your choice, all right? On the count of three, I mean, this is called shouting to the Lord, all right? One, two, three. (laughs) See how well y'all do that? Yeah. Now, how many of you know you can make noise and not be praising? I've been at some noisy churches before, but I wasn't sure how much praise was really going on. All right? So, you can make noise and still not be praising. But praise may involve a little noise from time to time. So, singing, also in Psalm 47, verses 1 and 2, it involves your hands, clapping your hands. Listen to what it says Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God. Shouting again. Shout to God with cries of joy for the Lord most high is what? Awesome. The great king over all the earth. What's he telling us to do? Use these hands to clap. There are a number of reasons I don't have time to go into all the theology involved with clapping. But it's very scriptural, very biblical. And, and, and we do it a lot. We do it when we approve of something. We do it when our team makes a touchdown. We do it when the three-point shot goes. When there's a slam dunk. What do we oh, hey, hey. We're going crazy. Well, why don't we use those hands to clap for Jesus? He deserves it. Good. I know you're clapping for Jesus, not for me. I know what that's all about. That's good. And the scripture also tells us to express our praise with God. The lifting of our hands. Now, I, look, I, I'm a Baptist, all right? They don't claim me now anymore. But anyway, I'm a Baptist roots. I tell you, when I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in 1971, I began to find scriptures that talk about lifting my hands. And I kept looking around the church. Nobody was lifting their hands. Now, most of my Baptist friends have come a long way since then. But anyway, I remember the most I could do in, in church was about like this. You know, I could get it up about this high. But because nobody else was doing it. And then finally, I kind of got it up about this point. Then they gave me the left fellowship. They kicked me out. And I'd only gone this far. But now I've learned lifting hands is biblical. Lifting hands is, we're admonished to lift holy hands before the Lord. Why? Because this is simply an act of praise. It's an act of praise. It's an act of giving glory to God. And and you might just get so free, you start waving them a little bit. It's all right. Lifting hands. Praise the Lord, all you servants who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. And there's many other expressions of praise that I haven't listed. All right? Number two, praise must be expressed. Number three, third truth is what? Praise will defeat your enemy. Now, we all know we have an enemy, right? Right? The devil is our enemy. He prowls around making a lot of noise. He's always about uh, stealing and robbing and and taking stuff away from you that is yours in Jesus. John 10.10 tells us that, right? Did you know that praise is one of your best weapons against him? It's a weapon. Not only is it a garment of praise, but it's also a weapon against the enemy. And we need to be reminded. I know some of you know this stuff. I know that it's just, uh, uh, I'm just remember, helping you to remember today. But I want you to know that praise has. It is effectual in doing damage against the powers of the devil. It is your weapon. The scripture tells us in Psalm 149 and verse 8. Let me read parts of it to you. It says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. May the praise of God be in their mouths, and a double-edged sword. Sounds sounds like sounds like war to me. Yes, and a double-edged sword in their hands. So today, put any kind of armament listed in there. It's the same thing. It's like a missile in their hands. To do what? To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. It's speaking spiritually of kings, principalities, and powers that Ephesians tells us that that's what we're battling against. Not problems in the fleshly realm. Your biggest problems are not in the natural realm. Your biggest problem is not your bank account. Your biggest problem is not even the temptation that's going to face you this week. Your biggest problem is the tempter. Your biggest problem is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. So by learning that praise can actually be a weapon, you can bind principalities and powers. You can bind the enemy the more that you learn to praise. You know why? Because Satan is allergic to praise. If you have an allergy, what do you do? You identify it, and then you do what? Stay away from it, right? That's the way the devil is. He he's listen, he's intentional about avoiding your praise. All you need to you say, man, I I hear people say all that, you know, man, I just feel like I'm under attack. So just how much praising are you doing? Your reaction to that ought to be just kick up your praise a few notches if you're under attack, because it is a weapon. The devil is paralyzed. your praise. The Bible gives us plenty of examples. Jehoshaphat is one the Old Testament, a well-known one, where we know that the Lord spoke to him and said, you're not going to have to fight this battle. Just send out the worshipers. He sent the praisers out front. They didn't have to even draw a sword, and the Lord defeated the enemy. Amen? And we know that in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas experience the extraordinary by doing what? Got thrown into prison for preaching the good news of Jesus. And then they had suffered all kind of persecution. And at midnight, does it say they're complaining? Does it say that they're whining? Does it say they're having a pity party? No, they were having a praise party at midnight. It says and Paul and Silas just began to sing hymns to the Lord. Hurting, beaten, persecuted. But what were they doing? Singing praise to the Lord at midnight. And then what happened? God's power rocked that prison and with an earthquake and released them and they spread the Gospels even more freely that day. Why? Because praise has power. It has power that maybe we need to be reminded of. All right. So let's remember praise defeats our enemy. Number four. Number four. Praise is faith in action. Faith, praise is a means to releasing your faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith changes things. Faith is the element that takes what is in heaven and brings it to earth. Faith is what appropriates all of the promises of God into our personal lives. It's not enough to just have the promises. We have to appropriate them. And what is it that appropriates them? Your faith. But the problem is sometimes we are working at developing our faith, but we haven't concentrated enough on how to actually release the faith. So you need a release mechanism for your faith. Most of you, all of you in this room know that there's a nut over in North Korea who's devising all kinds of war, war you know, uh, arsenal of war to launch against his enemies. And the concern of the Department of Defense is... I mean, they would have been concerned, but, but their main issue is what? Whether or not he develops a delivery system that can get the, the bombs over to our shore. Isn't that right? Yes. That's the concern. So it's the delivery system that was important. He can have all the arms that he wants, but if he doesn't have a delivery system to get them where they're targeting, then it's no good for him. It's the same way with you and me. We need to put a delivery system in place for the faith that God is building in our hearts. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've been studying God's word, reading God's word, growing in him spiritually. And he's building your faith. But you've got to release your faith. You've got to, many times I, I think of it as the mouth is your launching pad for your missiles. Your mouth is your launching pad. And one of the things you can do with your mouth is to simply spend time praising God. The Bible tells us that even in the Old Testament, the children of Israel says that then they believed his promises and they sang his praise. The result of faith in the promises of God resulted in what? Praise. They believed the promise and then they started praising. That's the same thing God wants us to do. When you're facing a battle, what you need to do, stop focusing on all the stuff that's going on and just start praising him. If you need healing in your physical body and you begin to see in God's word that he's promised us, that he is a healer, then what do you need to do? Start praising in him for that amen when you see that god has answers for your problem and you begin to see those promises what do you need to do start praising god for that and you'll begin to see amazing results praise is simply a way to release your faith to god it'll lift your eyes from the battle to your victory i'm going to ask that our worship team would join me again as i close with a story um I've told this story or parts of it before here, but I'll just summarize it for you. Uh, Many, many years ago, I was doing work in Eastern Europe and specifically uh, the country of Romania on this particular story. And I had gone to Romania to work with a number of churches. And uh, I knew at that time that Romania was still under communist regime and rule. And uh, they had some brutal laws in place, but the Lord sent me. So I went, was ministering with some pastors and churches, And one Sunday after a service, um, the pastor said, well, come on over to our house and have a meal following the service. And then tonight you'll have your final service and then you can leave. So that was the plan. All right. So I went over to his house. What I didn't realize at the time was that there was a law in place that restricted citizens, Romanian citizens, from inviting foreigners to their homes. It was against the law. Ceausescu's idea was we just want to keep out all those influences, right? So it was against the law. I didn't realize that the pastor was actually risking breaking the law by inviting me to come to his home. So I came, we had lunch, and I'm just chilling out, resting, getting ready for the evening service. And next thing you know, I hear a phone ring. And uh, I could see by the face of the pastor that he was annoyed. Didn't understand Romanian, but he came and talked to me after. And said, "Listen," he said, "I hate to tell you this," he said, "but that was a call from our secret police here in Romania, and they have called and they have asked me to bring you down to the station, police station, at three o'clock this afternoon." And uh, and I said, "Why would they be doing that?" He said, "Well, we broke the law, and you know you're you're here against the law, and so we, they want to. They're calling you on it." So uh, my first reaction was freaking out. You know, being the man of great faith, you know, just freaking out, man. I mean, I'm like, I mean, honestly, this was what went through my mind. Oh, man, I've read stories about martyrs. This must be my time. I'm going to go suffer in a Romanian jail the rest of my life. And I'm just, oh, all these thoughts that go through my mind. Oh, man, I'm just, I'm getting depressed and thinking about this meeting, you know. And I got, okay, the time's ticking another hour. Oh, man. So I'm getting really upset. And it was just like the Holy Spirit interrupted my stress uh, little little pity party I was having. Interrupted it and this is what the Lord just said. Have you thought about praising me? <laughs> I thought, hmm. That is a novel idea. Why not just praise God? Couldn't hurt now. So, what did I do? I just started on my own. I'm up in there in my room. I just started praising God. Now at first it didn't feel real natural. Didn't feel real good. Felt forced. Have y'all been there before? I mean, it felt forced, and I'm thinking, you know, my mind wanted to think about what was going on, and my heart was saying, praise God. So I just I just kept going, I just pressed on in. So I just kept praising God, and finally it started feeling good, and I started having a peace that came over my heart. Went down the police to the, the Romanian version of secret police, KGB, went into their office, took my Bible, and took my passport. They said, make sure you bring your passport. Br- brought my passport and my Bible. Walked in, sat down. They began to interrogate me. For an hour, they interrogated me about all, all kind of stuff. Why are you here? And all this kind of stuff. So I'm dealing with all this, and something on the inside of me, I would like to call it righteous anger, okay? Something on the inside of me began to rise up. I'm, my temperature is rising. I'm like, i mm. I'm just getting hot, 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 hot. and 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 it wouldn't be my normal typical style but all of a sudden it just reached a boiling point and i stood up to my feet i grabbed my passport from his hand took it held my bible up i said listen I am here in your country to be a blessing to you. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have sent me here. This book is what I'm proclaiming. It's good news, not bad news. And not only that, but I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Give me my passport. I'm out of here. I'm going to go preach in another service tonight, and then I'm leaving tomorrow. And I walked out. After I walked out and started walking down the street with the pastor, I'm thinking, "Oh no, what have I just done? What crisis have I created for the church?" You know that they left me alone. They actually showed up at the service, but they left me alone. The rest of the time, they didn't even challenge me. And I went and preached the last service and got on the train the next morning. Why? I'm convinced that my praise made a difference. My praise helped to change the atmosphere, not only in here. But even around me. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to put this into practice as we sing another song of worship together. Would you rise to your feet? I challenge you, make this a Christmas of full of praise, but also adopt praise as a part of your normal life if you haven't already. How many would raise your hand and say, I'm going to do that even more. I'm going to praise God even more in 2018. Amen. Are we going to do that? All right. Crystal's going to come and she's going to lead you in more worship.